This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. My name is Michael Kuehl, and this is a rather croaky Roger Bell West. And uh, as you can tell by Roger's larynx, we have um, reached the autumn of the year, and this is... How long have we been doing this? This is uh, for episode number 12. We've been oh, doing it for right. a year. My word, doesn't it, doesn't it fly when you're having fun? And uh, this time we're going to be talking about uh, Game from the Cupboard, about death and other unpleasant things. And about what we're up to at the moment. So, let's us make a start. Link music now, please. It's working. Yeah. Indicate we're running once again into the back of the cupboard to drag out a game that we enjoyed back in the day and taking a look at it and seeing what we could do with it now or indeed if we want to do anything with it now and why we liked it when we did. And the topic for today is 2300 or Traveller 2300 as it was in the first edition, I think. Well, that's the first problem, yes. The, the first edition was called Traveller 2300 apparently because Mark Miller, who designed Traveller originally and was running Game Designers Workshop at the time, felt that any science fiction RPG ought to be called Traveller because that's what they were about. Mm -hmm. So the story has it, at least. Uh, the, the second edition was called 2300 AD because there were lots of Traveller players who, who picked it up and said, hang on a minute, this isn't my Traveller universe. <laughs> it's not even a lead-in to my Traveller universe. Uh, but the original came out in 86, Lost Products came out in about 91, so it had a reasonable run. It sprung off um, Twilight 2000. It's um, a continuation of that future history. Sort of, yeah. As we mentioned briefly last time, um, they, they played a high-level war game slash diplomacy game in yeah. about five or ten year turns um, to try to roll the history forward and see what would happen. And at some point during this game, one of the players got a note saying, you've just discovered Jump Drive. You need Lanthanum. <laughs> The people who have Lanthanum are over there. They don't have much of an army, do they? And so on. <laughs> uh, is, it, is it Lanthanum in this one? It's Lanthanum in this one as well. Oh, boy. And the South Africans have all the Lanthanum, I seem to recall. I think so, yeah. Anyway, in, in a way it's a forgotten future because it does have a background in the nuclear war of the 1980s, which, as far as I remember, didn't happen. Yeah. Um... Though one could tweak it a bit to say any sort of fa fairly world-spanning catastrophe could have a similar effect. It's... It's not actually particularly um, grim and gritty, though we'll come back to that later. Okay. But that, that is in the background of it. Um, more recent publication, the, there's a uh, Traveller D20 version mm -hmm. um, called 2320 AD that came out about six years ago. Moves the timeline on a bit, but it's basically here you can use your old stuff with the new rules. And I believe it's been added to Mongoose Traveller as well, because they're just bringing in everything. Well, yeah. So, what was the appeal? Um... There is good stuff about it. Um, the, the thing that I enjoyed most was it was trying to be a hard science fiction game, and it was one of the first that made a serious attempt to be that, I think. Um, you've got no artificial gravity, you've got very limited energy weapons, most of the time a, a good old gun will work better. You've got sensible spaceship design that takes account of these things. 
Uh, it, it, it does ignore radiation shielding, but everybody ignores radiation shielding. <laughs> uh, it's got no artificial intelligences. Yeah, I've got to say, it's attempts to be... Um, this, is the, the, this is the direct opposite of the transhuman um, science fiction, which we looked at, at in, a, in an earlier episode. This is deliberately limiting the number of innovations, and I think it overdoes it, to, to be honest. One, one could argue that it basically has one innovation. Yeah, which is, which which, is the which, jump drive. Which is the, the, the stutter warp drive, which it itself became, became moderately interesting because it produced unusual results. And the basic idea of this is it only works out, works well outside of gravity well. That's a standard SF trope. Uh, it works badly in a solar system and not at all for getting to orbit and back. Mm. So you still need orbital shuttles. Um, the key thing is you, you cannot go as far as you like with it. You can go 7.7 .7 light years... And then? And then either you've got to a gravity well and discharge the drive, or it goes bang. Yeah, that, 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 gives, that gives maintenance uh, a high, a high uh, value. So what this meant was that rather, rather than simply saying, I want to go to that star over there, um, you had to hop from one system to another, and some areas of space were simply closed off because there weren't any um, yeah, stars or planets at the right sort of place. Which led to the maps basically being a... a series of links between stars that were in real space, close enough together for this to work. And one of the values, uh, valuable things that uh, the game brought out was a uh, a, a star map and a, a star catalogue of the stars near Earth. Yes, I think it, it wasn't the first game to do that because SPI had with Universe, I think. Yeah, I think Universe um, more or less sank with that. But it, but it was a 3D map, yeah. like the one you well, well, it's not as accurate as the stuff we know about now, because it was mostly using the 69 Gliese catalogue, and they may have tweaked it a bit mm. as well. It's not entirely clear. But it, it, for the era, it's not bad at all. So, so basically, there are a number of paths leading away from Earth. Um, yeah, corridors. unfortunately, when they actually put the maps in the book, what what you get is a kind of messy spider's web, mm. because they have their two-dimensional projections. What I think would have worked better is a map like an underground-style system saying, OK, you can go from here to there, there, or there, and it will take about that long, rather than trying to maintain real-world geometry. Yeah, except I think they wanted to make allowance for somebody uh, discovering the uh, the 14-light-year uh, uh, um, warp drive. Well, the, the reason it's that inconvenient 7.7 .7 is that they discovered that if, if they made it 8, it opened things up too much. They wanted fairly restricted avenues of exploration. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that, that, that is the one impossibility. Uh, it produces some interesting effects, and it, it means that you have your in-system drive sorted as well as your yeah. faster-than-light drive. Apart from that, really most of the tech is stuff we would recognise today or, or near extrapolation of it. And part of that, of course, is because of the rebuilding after the Great Big War, but it's actually less futuristic mm -hmm. than some other games. There are. It's a very military-focused um, game, it seems to me. There are a lot of pictures in the core rulebook of... Um, of guns. Yeah, it, for, for many groups this isn't a problem, for some it is. Um, it was certainly very much inspired by the feeling, if not the, uh, the, the, the technological feeling rather than the ethos of aliens, for example. Hmm. You, you don't have um, particularly big corporate um, nasties going on, but you do have people getting sent off to do, do their own thing and help maybe a long way away. Um, yeah, I, I think the well, as with many games of this era, it's curiously silent as to what you should actually do. Yeah, I, I worried about that, that a bit. The big plot background 
point um, was the start of the Kaffir War, and I'll come back to that in a um, uh, in a, in a moment. And and a lot of the the published adventures are built around um, struggling against this this um, silent alien menace, which you can't communicate with, or at least it's it's certainly there in the background a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. But well, what did the adventures say you you got to do? What there, there doesn't appear to be any sort of attempt to build up a campaign or, or arc of stories. But what did they publish? Yeah, the, the, there were quite a few adventures. Um, they, they were all pretty much separate. I don't think there was any, there was any multi-part thing going on. Um, some of the adventures had pre-generated characters, and you, you were seen to play them as a one-shot. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I had to skim through the others when, when we were thinking about this. And so the, the, the one that comes in the box, you're, you start off by surveying a colony world, uh, then you get then you get attacked and you end up tracking halfway round it for Paul Anderson. Mm. Other adventures you are working as asteroid miners in an uninhabitable system and uh, rescue a ship that's been sabotaged. Um, you you can be survey ship crew. Uh, you can be security or military troops on a particular planet when the aliens come mm. along. That there isn't really a consistent um, sort of person people are expected to be. Yeah, and there isn't um, there isn't a, a terribly deep or consistent um, interstellar culture, either unlike the Imperium or, of original Traveller. There is, this is, this is Earth just starting out with a, a very few off-world, off-world colonies, and um, there isn't a place where you can play um, people living on a colony or that sort of, that sort of thing, or or the interstellar traders doesn't appear to be. Uh... Well, part of the problem there is that ships are really hugely expensive, even more so than traveller ones. Mm. Um, I don't think there's, there aren't really any examples of FTL ships in private hands. So the the, the classic thing that people expect, you know, we are we are going to be a bunch of free traders on the on the run from the bank, yeah. just doesn't happen. I I at least would have liked it if they put in some idea of the big campaign beyond the individual adventure. Yeah. Um, one thing I do like uh, talk, talking about a consistent culture is is that the humans are vaguely recognisably human. I mean, mm. it, it, it may well be that as, as a player you have a fairly stereotyped idea of what a Frenchman or a German acts like, but it's it's at least got flavour to it. Whereas if if you say I'm from Alpha Centauri, you, that that doesn't carry anything with yeah, itself. Yeah, um, except except that this is the other side of the this is hard science fiction thing. This is minimum um, extra, extrapolation. Yeah, it is basically three hundred. Three hundred. It's a it's a picture of the of the late twentieth century. It's not a picture of of the future. They've made cultures change as little as possible, and cultures have changed in a generation since it was published more than the, the than it's depicted. In yeah, the, it, it it's in some ways quite old fashioned to have what you could it basically post post Treaty of Westphalia nation states that don't interfere with each other is mm. the standard assumption. Yeah, it, it 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 feels a lot like the SF you got out of analog in the eighties and nineties. Well, some yeah. bits of analog still, and uh, and and they, it, it seems to it seems to cater to that core American way of looking at the universe. I will say, on the other hand, that though the um, though the humans are very much as people would assume. The aliens are—they've done a really nice job on, yeah. on creating some alien aliens. I, th- I think there was a feeling that the, the ball had been kind of dropped with Traveller. It's a very human-centric universe. You, mm. You've got guys around the side, and some of them are quite interesting and odd. But basically, it's about humans. Uh, and in this, you can have stories that are just about humans. But when the aliens turn up, 
they are bringing their alien motivations and goals and things with them, and they, these are not just guys with with bumpy foreheads. No, yeah, these are these are these are some very weird species, species indeed. Just the ones that they found so far. Though one of the adventures that I read all the way through does does fall into the trap of doing, um, uh, and here are some really mind-boggling aliens who will cause your your entire crew to go insane. <laughs> I found um, the central mechanic. Uh, the task mechanic, uh, uh, which I also we also saw in um, in Mega Traveller, rather opaque to be perfectly honest. Yeah, th- this is something that originated outside GGW, I believe. It was uh, Digest Group Press who, who did a bunch of licensed product for Traveller. Mm-hmm. Uh, came up with it originally simply because there, there wasn't in Traveller any standard way of saying this is a slightly difficult task. Yeah, I do think they over formalised it somewhat. Uh, it, it, it is basically a universal res- resolution system that tells you, in a relatively compact format, how difficult the task is, what skills you need to do it, how long it's going to take. Mm. But it looks ugly. Yeah. It, it, it breaks up the prose. It took a, a huge chunk of the central, te- of the, of the core text to, to explain it, and I'm, I'm, still, I, I'm still sure I don't understand it, having read it. There are a cu- couple of nice tricks, like if, if you've got a thing where you're not entirely certain whether you succeeded or not, mm. uh, you make the skill roll and the GM makes it as well. So you know whether you succeeded or failed, but full success is both of you rolled successes, full failure is both of you rolled failures. If it's, if it's one way or the other, then it's only marginal. Mm. So you only have a rough idea of how well you did. That, that, that's quite nice. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's showing its age, certainly. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a mechanic for, I, I think, for wargamers of the era who, who were used to decoding stuff like this and, and found a convenient format. Yeah. The, the most important thing rather than anything with style. And I, I must admit that one of my big fights with this was the character generation system. Yeah, where tra- Classic Traveller and, and, and Mega Traveller have made this rather entertaining sub-game, and, and it's in, it's in, um, it's in Mongoose Traveller as well, this entertaining sub-game of finding out your character's backstory by, by the life path thing, this looks a bit dull. Yeah, it's, the, the problem for me is, is that you've got this hugely complex system to go through. Yeah. And you don't actually get terribly complex results out of it. Um, I mean, you, you, you're rolling for your homeworld, then you get your physique out of that. Oh, you, yeah. You're Mesomorph, getting, endomorph. You're getting a body uh, type. Which is, you know, well, which is now, I'm told, I looked this up, uh, an entirely uh, debunked bit of uh, pop, pop, uh, pop science from the, uh, from the 1980s. Hey. Well, at least it's of its time. Um, <laughs> th- then you're rolling for stats with modifiers from that. Then, then you go through various careers and get points from them to buy yeah. skills. It's not as random as Traveller, but basically, at the end of it, you've got some stats and you've got some skills. Yeah, and you uh, don't. Have, and what you don't have is much of a sense of the of the character. I mean, all right, this was this was an early early event, but I liked I liked classic Traveller. I could say this is this this guy is a is a is a tough former marine who was invalided out, and this guy has been in the merchants for for his entire entire career and. But, but well, you you do you do get that from the careers. I mean, you you're saying right. I I have been a law enforcement guy, and I learned these things, mm. and and then I switched to I don't know, some something completely different, and learned these other things. Uh, but yeah, you you don't get quite the same sense of this year I did that. Yeah. But you find, yeah yeah it was a lot of effort. It did look a lot of effort, and uh, not and not. 
not terribly interesting. Well, I, I don't mind complexity if it's in the service of, of something that I find useful. And for me, what I really want is a character design system, which, fair enough, this isn't trying to be. Mm. I, I don't mind spending an hour over tweaking a GURPS character, because I'm tweaking it to exactly what I want. I don't yeah. want to spend half an hour making a bunch of die rolls and getting in the end something that could have been produced fairly randomly. Well, fairly nasty. What was good good about about the game? You 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 pull it out. You have fond memories. Yeah. Well, um, for me, I think a lot of it is the the combination of humans you can get a handle on with the combination of um, cultures and their, their backgrounds. Neither of which is great on its own, but together they they can produce some good effects. And the very alien aliens. Mm. And I will admit, I have a soft spot for hard science fiction early days of colonization. That that general milieu, it is very much a setting where you can be thousands of miles from the nearest other human, and that's not even a particularly unusual state to be in. Um, so the, 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 it it tells that sort of story where you don't have to be constantly saying, "Oh well, the good guys can't come and help you because there's a storm or they're all busy doing something else." Mobile no, the, phone isn't working. They're, they're just simply not there. You are it, yeah. and that that that's a feeling that I quite like. Um, even in a relatively gritty game like this. Uh, the, I, sh I should say, I, I'm not a great connoisseur of art in gaming books, but some of the art in these books, particularly in the later ones, was really pretty dire. Mm. And the, they, they did, I think, make one big misstep towards the end of, end of its run. Mm -hmm. um, it, they, they noticed Cyberpunk coming out, and they jumped on the Cyberpunk bandwagon. Yeah. That was the Earth Cybertech sourcebook and a couple of adventures. Basically, they, they hadn't really talked in detail about what Earth was like before. Um, mm. they, they, it assumed that most stuff was going to be happening in the colony areas. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we, we've got this setting which was basically, it's hard work, but basically optimistic, and humanity is making its great leap upwards to, it's all crap, corporations rule everything, you're all doomed. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to keep the tone... Well, yeah, but but there, there, were, there was a fair bit of that in uh, in some of the quote hard science fiction of the um, of the of the eighties and nineties, and especially from conservative American authors like Jerry Pornell, whose uh, co dominium was all about uh, Earth go Earth going going to hell, whilst all the best best brightest hope is going out to out to the colonies. Yeah, but I think he regarded that as a good thing. Well, yeah, but but. Um, uh, you know, but, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a good decadent old earth and, 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 yeah. and, and bright hope out, out in the stars. It, it did seem a fairly wrenching change of pace, and I think it may not be a coincidence that these are the last things they actually produced for the game. Mm. Um, it, it may well be that sales have been falling off before that, and it was a last-ditch attempt to save it, I don't know. Uh, there, there was a third-party set of Starship deck plans after that, but really the, the, the Cybertech stuff is, is the latest publication, and it kind of fizzled out after that. Mm. Um, which I think was a shame. I mean, particularly these days, a, a lot of games assume a basic pessimistic outlook. Yeah. And this was one where, yeah, there was there was tough stuff happening, and you've got the alien invasion, but humanity may may, may at least have a reasonable chance to prevail. The um, the alien invasion is is one thing that uh, more more postmodern um, gamers uh, find a little annoying, and some people found annoying at the time. They chose to call the, the, the big bad aliens Kaffers. Yeah, which is a German word meaning cockroach. Which is also South African slang for, for the Blicks. Spelt differently. Um, I, I and they called the first adventure for it Kaffer Dawn, which if that isn't a, 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 an echo of Zulu Dawn, I don't know what is it. 
my understanding is that they had no idea that that connection was in there until they'd committed to the name. Yeah. Um, that they, they are, well, they're not actually insectoid or crustacean, but they look that way. Yeah. It's not an entirely unreasonable thing for the Germans who first met them to call them. But, yeah, it's, it's it perhaps kind of unfortunate. It is spelt differently, and I, yeah. I think one could get past it, but, but one does have to explain it to people. So, mm. Yeah. Um, th- thinking about what one could do with it now, regular listeners will be not, not be surprised to learn that if I'm going to run this now, I'd probably run it under GURPS. It's, it's, Shock, pretty, the it, horror, the it's horror. pretty trivial to convert, in fact, because they're, they're both basically trying to be vaguely realistic, mm. or at least reflect things that happen in the real world. And th- there's not even Psyonix in the science fiction game. Well, so good. Um, honestly, the, honestly, Psyonics are a bugger. Yeah. The, the, the spaceship design could be a bit fiddly because it was very specific about fine-tuning every last ounce so that you could get a little bit faster. But, um, the, the, well, the, well, GURPS has systems for that sort of thing. Current edition of GURPS doesn't, um, though that's probably, it's probably coming back at some point. Anyway, um, how, how to run an ongoing campaign could be tricky. I think what I, when I look through the adventures, I think the party that would fit into them best would be some, some, a party of essentially freelance space crew with, mm. with wanderlust and good skills. But who, not who their could, own ship. No, who could get hired onto various different things in different places. Um, when, when I said that the star, star map isn't as good as the one we know about now, um, yeah, if you try to use modern stellar data with it, it just falls apart completely. Uh, Constantine Thomas, evil Dr. Ganymede, who's written some transhuman space material as well, mm. uh, has a rejig of the stars to work on with modern star data, and you basically have to rearrange a bunch of the worlds to go around different stars. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's perfectly viable, but when you, when you consider how many games get by without anything approximating a real star map at all, oh, true. I, I think I'd probably just end, end up using the original. I have on my walls um, a, a, a star map of the 100 nearest stars to Earth, and I have a sort of lust to do something uh, with it at, at some stage. Um, if, you, if you were writing... Alright, if you were writing a a new game of star exploration, the early days of star exploration near Earth, what lessons would you take from, from this one? Um Ideal well, it would depend on the exact feel if if I wanted to replicate the feel of this one, which I might well, um, it would be don't don't give the PCs their own ship. Um, because if you have a ship, you can run away. Yeah, that's true. The in- the interesting bit is not necessarily the dashing from place to place, but the being on a planet inter- and interacting with it and its strange fauna and flora, rather than being able to sit in orbit and say, yes, I don't like that thing over there. Yeah. Um, uh, or as I seem to recall, doing on more than one traveller adventure, sitting in orbit saying, you give me what I want, or I will bombard you from space. The Star Trek problem. I, I, this was apparently a major problem for their scriptwriters. They had to keep saying, "What? Well, why is the Enterprise not there to provide orbital fire support? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have actually been experimenting with with a um, play-by-voice-over-IP play game of a slightly earlier stage of exploration, which is the, some of the first interstellar voyages, mm. um, which I really ought to get another session of together. That is interest. That that would be interesting because um, you can, you can do that as close to the modern day as you feel feel like. Well, ish. I mean, if if somebody invented hyperdrive tomorrow, it would still take at least fifteen years before we could build anything to use it. Yeah, but for, but I I 
I, I, I'd, I'd probably got... bitch about the new version of, of Windows, but if you drop me 15 years into the future, I think I'd be able to manage. And they'd all be speaking Chinese. Don't be silly. <laughs> as long as the English remain tone deaf, the, the English will remain the global language. Yes, but it's only the Chinese and the, and the Russians who have any capability of putting humans into orbit at this point. The Americans not, aren't even trying particularly. Okay, they might try a bit harder if they thought they had a hyperdrive waiting for them, but... Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, that, that was actually one of the problems with 2300, and I think maybe one of the reasons it didn't do as well as it might have. Yeah. America is not the big power. It's got American it, assumptions written all the way through. Yeah, it, it, it's out there, and it's it's got a space fleet and so on, but... Um, it's a relatively minor power, and, and, and the biggest interstellar power is definitely the French, and the second biggest is probably the Chinese. Yeah. Uh, the, Fran the, the French are the biggest power because they wanted the French Foreign Legion in space. Well, yes. They, they also... They, I, I, when I went to Gen Con, when this was still being published, I, I heard them say this quite, quite seriously, that, yes, we put the French in, in a big, powerful position because we wanted... We wanted um, people that most of the players would find it easy to not sympathise with and, and work against. <laughs> and the players didn't realise this. They thought they were being asked to work on their side. <laughs> what date was this? This was before 9-11. Yeah, long this before. is 1988. All right, so basically, uh, basically, you heard it here first, folks. The French annoy everybody in the world. But it, I think it's a similar problem to um, the one we had you saw in Torg, which we talked about recently. Yeah. That while a lot, while some of the adventures were set in and around the USA, the USA isn't a major power on the stage, hmm. anything like as much as some of the others. And there, at least some um, American role players seem to have a problem with this. But I, I, I think, as, as, a, as, as, as a slight patriot, I, I feel that Britain is is slightly underpowered in 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 the game. But never mind. We don't even get nuked. We're, we're, we're in, in, in the Great War. We're, we're, we survive. That's interesting. Did in Twilight Two Thousand? Did they? Oh, I must have misread the background. Uh, the Twilight Two Thousand UK sourcebook is is its own special brand of silliness, where you know cities have been taken taken over by rampaging mobs of football hooligans. Gosh, but uh, my my feeling is that as British gamers, we can very easily believe in an evil French empire, <laughs> and we're, and we're possibly more prone to play underdogs rather than simply sympathising with them and sending them money. Yeah, this is so, true. Yeah, uh, certainly, I know, I know quite a few people in the UK who were enthusiastic about the game when it came out, more, more than I met from the states later. So that may, may have been a, a feel there. But yeah, it's not perhaps a huge footprint on the role-playing landscape, but, uh, but uh, I think it doesn't deserve to be forgotten. It, it, it has its own interesting points. Well, thank you for that. And I think at this moment we have run to the end of this segment. We'll we'll close the cupboard again. I'd like to talk to you about death. It's a good topic, it must be said. Um, well, what is its place in the game? Um, how, how often should it happen? How, how important should it be when it does happen? I, I think there have been a lot of answers to this. Well, I started... Uh, my, my, my biggest, um, earliest campaigns were RuneQuest, um, after I got over D&D. &D. Yeah. 
Um, I ran RuneQuest in the uh, in the nineteen eighties and partly in the nineties for years together, with occasional breaks for a few other things and to go off and work and things like that. And as I, uh, as one of my long-term players has said to me when I, I, I went to my regular Wednesday group and said, well, well what about this topic um, before coming here? He said, well, Mike, we're, we, we were RuneQuest players. It gives you a different attitude towards death. We expected in those early days um, that characters would die if, um, if they were overwhelmed or faced something, or just had bad luck. I think that's very true of early D&D as well. If you're looking at some mm. some of the early published modules, you you are not going to get through those with the same characters you went in with. Yeah, um, old geezer, um, in, his, in the interview we did with him a, a while back, um, made it clear that, that in, the, in the very early, earliest of days, then characters did tend to be disposable, dying, and um, you, you, you started again. I think some of that may, may tie into the game mechanical burden of generating a new character. Yeah. And r running up a D&D character is something you can do, frankly, while the fight is still going on. <laughs> um, RuneQuest is a bit more involved, Yeah. but it, but it's not a huge task. Compared with the GURPS character, which, yes, all right, you can do it without computer assistance, but I, I prefer to take my time over it and look things up and so on. Yeah. The, so. Um, the, thing, the, the, the thing was that you, you rather expected games... Game universes made allowances for this. Um, there were things like divine intervention and uh, resurrection spells, and uh, I've I've used those um, over the years and not not infrequently. Uh, but, a sort of threshold, really. If, if 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 you're low level scum, dead is dead. Yeah. Once you get over this particular hump, you've got enough gold for a resurrection, or you, you're a high enough cleric to cast it yourself, or whatever. Or 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 the gods love you enough to say yes. This time I will rescue you, my son. Here. Give me half your your soul, or possibly all of it. But or, or possibly all of it, and I'll rescue your comrades. That rarely happens. Yeah, I I, lo I loved it when it did. Though. <laughs> but I still, and in all my games, I still roll most of the dice right in front of the players, and they roll theirs in, in front of, front of me. We see what the game mechanical result is, and we go with it. Mm. I've been running some RuneQuest recently, and uh, one of the starting characters has died. He was a humacti, a follower of the God of Death. He's probably reasonably happy about this, then. Well, he, he died in he died in, in battle. The player is is struggling, um, trying to bring the replacement character up to the standard of the uh, long runners. But um, uh, that's a, that's that's a, another issue. But this contrasts a lot with what I understand to be sort of semi-official doctrine in the in the narrativist idea. This is a what I understand is called a gamist or simulationist point of view, the one I adopt. But the narrativist point of view says, we're here to make stories, interesting stories. Uh, I've come across the idea that death should only happen when it's an important death. Yeah, yeah, the anti-Tasha Yar um, thing. You shouldn't mm -hmm. just die in... A, in a random in encounter on a nameless planet with, uh, for something with something you'll never encounter again. Yes, but people do die by accident. There's a certain value I'm willing to I'm willing to say in being aware that your character could die at any time, and the best way to give the players the consciousness that they are 
living in dangerous times is to put their characters in genuine danger. Yeah, I, I do tend to feel that if the characters in, in, the, in their fictional mindsets are regarding death as an ever-present peril, then the players ought to be as well. Mm. Um, on the other hand, I don't have very many actual deaths in my campaigns. Um, well, me. I, I sometimes feel it's too few, but I don't exactly want to go, go out and deliberately try to increase it. So. Well, no, I... I feel I feel that the characters should be should be competent. They should be capable of facing the dangers that I put them up to, and I should be capable of judging. And it's it's a thing you can only do by experience and knowing the game system and 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 the players. Though sometimes a PC will simply do something stupid, or the player will. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. They, they've, they've got all the warnings. They've seen all the skulls on sticks, but they're still going to charge in against the big nasty and, and get. Yeah, I've to. been that player from time to time. <laughs> Me too. If you if you've got a sword in your hand and you, and, and you're convinced of your own puissance, then then going in and whacking the damn thing seems like a damn fine idea. And if that's the sort of character you're playing, then hell, you shouldn't you shouldn't wonder that you you died. But I think something stupid is a very subjective. Um, from the point of view of conservation of PC lives. No, from the point of view of, 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 of anything. What about you do something unlucky? You give it your best shot, and at the moment when the sword you've had specially enchanted um, is coming to the neck of the, uh, of the creature, and you've only got the one shot, what happens when, it, when, when, the, when, the blade, when you fumble and the blade flies from your hand, and the, let's call it a dragon, takes a deep breath and prepares to fry you? Should unluckiness be forbidden? And I've got to, got to, got to say, the feeling is no. You know, uh, my feeling is no. But, but, but I've heard it asserted that that death should only happen if both the player and the GM agree that it's appro dramatically appropriate. But that isn't the sort of artistic activity we're doing here, is it? There have been various answers to this in, in different games. Seventh Sea does not actually have a rule for dying in combat. That's awkward. You can you can be knocked out. Yeah. And you you can perhaps assume that if the entire PC group is knocked out, then the villains will probably kill them. But you you don't actually die of a thing that happens to you in combat. You, yeah, the, you die yeah, later. The the thing thing that make this seems to reduce all games to the level of tomb, um, which is uh, which is a terrible. A terrible thing. I like Toon. I think Toon is fun, but but not all stories are Saturday morning cartoons. When I was thinking about extreme cases of this, if, if death is completely impossible, then Toon is certainly one example. The, the one that occurred to me is is your classic four color superheroes before before things got um, mm. dark gritty. Dark gritty, yeah. But you know, dark, you, gritty you, is, dark gritty is its own level of tedium in many ways. But but your original um, Superman and Batman and whatever. Yeah. No, nobody is seriously at risk of dying unless they're very expendable NPCs. Yeah, there aren't even that many... Well, I know, Batman occasionally encountered corpses in those days, um, but mostly it was people trying to rub things in flamboyant and unlikely ways. And he can shove somebody off a rooftop and they're not going to die of it. Hmm. That's, that is a little bit more worrying. And the fact that that the the Hulk and uh, and the Thing can battle it out in, in Midtown Manhattan, and there are no civilian casualties is also a bit strange. Though uh, reviews of recent film Man of Steel mm -hmm. pointed out that 
if you go too far the other way, the, apparently the, the the big battle at the last in the last part of that film involves a lot of civilian casualties and, and was described as basically disaster porn. Except in this case, the disaster is a pair of superheroes rather than a, a typhoon or something. Hmm. So that 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 has its own problems. But the, the, I I think if death is impossible. Um, that that's, that tends to one extreme. If, if death is common, that leads to another extreme, which is hmm. your, your classic dungeon bash game. Where you don't really bother with any much in the way of characterization because it's going to be dead next week anyway. Yeah, I thing is, I'm I've been I'm currently still in a, a dungeon fantasy game, and my character has been lying on the floor, uh, bleeding, whilst uh, after 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 one. All right, all right. I should have known that that those were more powerful than the the zombies <laughs> that we'd encountered before, and they were in plate armor, and I shouldn't have rushed in there. But I was lying there bleeding on the floor, and my feelings were partly, gosh, I've had fun playing this character, I hope he survives, and partly, oh dear, oh well, let's not blub out loud, um, let's, um, <laughs> let's, let's do the stiff upper lip thing and, and show a good, um, show a good uh, example to the other players. I think it's worth bearing in mind that Dungeon Fantasy is not trying only to replicate original D&D, um, it's, it's also informed by other things that were inspired from that, most of which have decreased the level of PC lethality. And a, a starting dungeon fantasy character is is a fairly tough thing. Mm. It, it takes reasonably serious uh, threats to kill them. I, hmm. I feel I feel highly ambiguous. I'm aware that I've even gone so far as to improvise a resurrection when a couple of um, very um, well loved characters have di- died undeservedly. Depend, defending, uh, the, defending um, two, two other two other members of the party. Um, of course, that provides me with the chance of putting more plot complications in later on because they haven't come back entirely unchanged by the experience. Um, uh, but I, d- I do I do feel that there is a value in the awareness of the proximity of death, mm. and I can't. I can't. I can't say to my my players, your characters will will survive. I feel guilty if I misjudge something. If I feel that I've got the the level of threat wrong. Yeah. Um. I, but it's been a long time since I did did a total party kill, and that was the last time. Was entirely um was entirely due to me not understanding the system. There. It was a new game. It was Bushido, and I didn't realise how badly outnumbered six first player, first level player characters were by one six level <laughs> NPC. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that game vaguely. Uh, but I have players still in my Wednesday night group who started with me in the old days back in the eighties. One of them said uh, said to me that he came on first and I killed his his first character in the first game I, uh, uh, he was in, and he's still coming back. And then one of the others said, well, you, you killed my character for the first six, one character a week for the first six weeks I was with <laughs> you, and he's still coming back. So that's what they understand. That's what they understand, <laughs> and this is the way I have trained them up and, and, and taught them uh, it works. But are modern players, are newer players more sensitive about this? Are, I... is, there, is there a feeling of this, you ought to check out if this is something that uh, a player can relate to, should I put this into a formal social contract? 
I, I know before. some some players who who are very pissed off by their PC dying. Mm. Um, All right. I don't know. I haven't noticed any particular correlation with age or experience of role playing. Well, what is it then? I don't know. Um, I mean, I I would assume without evidence that so somebody who's got to role playing probably via video games these days. Yeah. Where yes, you may well die, but it just means you go back respawn, to your save Respawn. Yeah. Would, would be more annoyed by having to start completely from scratch than somebody who hasn't. But yeah. I don't know. Is, is that actually the case? Write and tell us. Oh, I, 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 I suppose there would be one other way to uh, deal with the problem would be to, to construct a fantasy world where respawning is a thing. There's actually been a thread on the SJ Games forums um, to just that effect. Um, Sean, Sean Punch, one of, one of the GURPS designers, ha- has come up with, with a setting and some mechanical basis for this. Yeah. Basically, there, there are safe places where you essentially cannot die by violence. Yeah. And then there's the outside world. Where you... Yeah. You, you can go out, um, because that's where the stuff is. Yeah, quite. Um, and if, if, if you die out there, you will be resurrected to the same place, minus some fraction of your earned experience and loot. Hmm. Yeah, which, which, is sort of, which is sort of transhumans, uh, transhuman gaming, but with a fantasy... On it. Yeah, but it, it, it's very much the, the the whole save point thing. Yeah. Actually, I'm thinking, hmm, it might be fun to do it, not not that you lose, but you go back to the save, make, actual, make an actual soul recording. Yeah, yeah. I could see there might be, it would be one of those universes where you'd have to work out the implications of that sort of semi-immortality. Hmm, might be fun. Might not be. Yeah. Um, considering uh, GURPS for a minute, I, well, one of the incidents that uh, le- led to this discussion was uh, a character who, in, in character at least, made a foolish choice that wasn't entirely unreasonable based on what the players knew, um, got, got in over her head and would have died had she not realised that, hang on a minute, under these rules we can spend un- we can spend points we haven't earned yet on extra life by taking disadvantages. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, a variant of uh, of the divine intervention thing. They, oh, oh Lord, I promise I will go on a pilgrimage to, to Rome if you will save my life at this moment in time. How quickly will you go on this pilgrimage? <laughs> it's been three years and you're two inches closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Lord, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That should be remembered as well. You, How do you handle... Uh, when was the last time one of your... your, your a player character died in one of your games. Uh, actual, actual death, I think, was in the Reign of Steel game that you were in. Uh-huh. It may have been, it may have been before you were in it. Uh, when one one of the PCs who was ba- basically a um, originally a gang type doing doing the whole two two great big pistols and lots of style thing, oh, yeah. uh, decided that he was going to take on a killer robot. Yeah. And he he knew it was moderately armoured, but they had they had been damaged before by other weapons, so he ch- charged off to attack it, shot it, got criticals, mm. and watched as it, as as his uh, bullets went kapoing kapoing, and then went oh bugger, or the the um, Hispanic equivalent. And, Is and, that the and, character that came back? Yes, yeah. deeply compromised and with 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 them. Um, with a computer core uh, in him. Oh, quite the opposite. Oh, yes? He has an organic brain, the rest wasn't. Oh, right. But that particular series of killer robots is prone to mental oddities and um, 
doing doing strange things for no obvious reason. They thought this this one is interesting. Mm. Let's see. Let's keep the keep the useful bit. In other words, the the brain and uh, spinal column. Leave the rest, obviously. Um, yeah. And, and and see whether the big boss wants to use it for something else. So he, so he came back as an infiltrator to lead the party into an ambush, and for appropriately dramatic reasons, man managed to um, throw off at least some of his programming. Yeah. Just just before he got. Now that is what I call. That's what I call death. Uh, making death work for you. All right. It 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 was an excuse to have a character sheet called Cyborg Jesus. <laughs> Cyborg Jesus. Mm -hmm. Cyborg Jesus. And how often do you get the chance to do that, after all? But yeah, the, the, this, I think, leads into... The, there, there are some things that players are just not happy with. They don't always know that they're not happy with them, which yeah. is just a problem. The business of, of, of triggers is, is a complicated one. I Well, I, th I think we can agree that the advice in Wraith was bad, which is find out your players' triggers and exploit them. For, for Wraith, it was good. It may have been the only thing that made it an interesting game. <laughs> Yeah, on the other hand, quite dangerous if you've got somebody with real problems. <laughs> yes, this is true. The, uh, he, he went into some very dark places. The, the thing is, I don't know of a good way to say to your players, other than by living with them and, and, and playing with them and, and knowing them for many, many years, there's no good way to say to your players, oh, what is the sort of thing you don't want me to put in this game? Yeah, and I I know some people who do do full on negotiation. Um, one one of uh, Bill Stoddard's players, I think, mm -hmm. um, has a particular grew about nasty th eye injury. Yeah, and so has has said specifically, I I just do not want any talk about eye injury in any game I'm in, which seems to me specific enough that it shouldn't be a problem to avoid. Yeah, on the other hand, I at a convention game, I may have mentioned this before because I'm proud of it. <laughs> in a perverse sort of way, um, I went back to a Stabcon um, convention and got a, a, a repeat player, and she said, "She said to me, all right, I'll be in your game as long as there are no more Mike Kuehl zombies in it.'" And apparently, I had described the zombies of a particularly rotting and unpleasant nature um, far too vividly for her imagination. But you can't tell. Then she did come back. She did come back, and she she enjoyed my GMing. In general, the. I mean, the thing is, I am, I am, I'm willing to admit that I am a, a reasonably insensitive uh, uh, human male, and I did include the the the, the bruise um, rather too graphic, more graphically than I would nowadays if it were a female player. Um, back in the back in the those old um, uh, those old RuneQuest uh, games because of rape. Was for us teenage boys um, something as something less than a totally serious thing, and the bruise are the followers of the goddess of rape. Mm. I seem to remember that the, the means of reproduction is, is by raping pretty much anything. Yeah, um, they, they they do they do they reproduce in much the same way the aliens did in in, in Alien mm. with a full chest bur burster effect, um, and that is just. Yeah, I, I think I, I'd, 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 I'd be careful I'd, I'd, about putting that in. Yeah, I yeah, but I was an insensitive git. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about me now. <laughs> yeah, me, 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 me too. But there ought to be things that you ought to be able to, on your general intelligence, to exclude from um, what the uh, what the what the players have to face. But on the other hand, we're oh. talking about not only the death of, of human beings, but sometimes the death of, of all. 
of all human life and all hope. Um, we're talking about really terrible topics here. And is it, is there a safe way to say, um, I don't want to be specific about what's going to happen, but there are going to be some nasty things here? I know people who try to do this with, with negotiation, but I think a lot of it really ends up coming down to no, the players and GM knowing each other. Mm. Um, it, okay, even even in the um, group I go to on Wednesdays, I've now been going to it for ten years, and we have a fairly fairly good idea of yeah. um, what 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 we're doing, what we're likely to put into our games. And I don't think there's anything explicit, but uh, the, the first game I ran for them, the, the, there was a fairly detailed alien autopsy. Uh -huh. Which happened just after the food had arrived, strangely enough, um, <laughs> and and they were quite happy with that. But yeah. but I probably wouldn't put in any any sort of detailed sex, partly because I'm I'm not really happy with it, and partly because I don't think it would add to the overall game experience. Yeah, I, I, I was about to say. All right, I'm going to say the sex tends to be hand waved in <laughs> my games. Um, it happens off screen. You may you, we will, you will get a dice roll to see how. Um, how happy either either side is with with the result, but um, it is a it is an off screen thing. Probably for the best. In Chinese elemental powers, just out for GURPS, Yeah, the erotic art skill actually has practical uses. You can transfer key. It you you earn key by sex and can use it to summon the winds. Well, you can at least transfer it to or from your partner. I see. Um. Yes. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. I cannot. I cannot bring. I cannot bring rains to to water your fields until I have sex. No. It's all right. I'll. I'll. I'll try not to think about that <laughs> too much. But yeah, I. I think what it ends up coming down to is either players you know reasonably well or some sort of negotiation. When I'm running one-shot games at conventions. Mm -hmm. I, I will sometimes say mature themes if I'm going to include, uh, for example, drug taking and death, uh, yeah. death more than the normal bashing bashing things around with a sword death. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I generally don't go to anything that I wouldn't be happy to have at least a re reasonably smart and mature child playing in. Hmm. Yeah, conventions are a different, a slightly different challenge. But well, that, that's that's the main place I play where I don't know the players in advance. Yeah. Is the trick. But you may even your. Uh... Regular players may surprise you from time to time. Yeah, sometimes this happens. I I think it, it's a cliche, but what one just has to do is say, okay, look, here here is a problem. Let let's stop and deal with it, rather than just charging on. Yeah, but sometimes you're in 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 the middle of the problem. Yeah, the the, pl the player needs to be able to say, I've got a problem with this. I think, which yeah, for for some people is not always going to be the case, but I I think it's a it's a reasonable starting point. Well, having touched on death. And and rotting flesh and, and and sex. Let's move on to something else. Uh, you are in the happy position of starting a new game. Is it a happy position? It does seem to be so far. Um, we, we were talking recently about Torg and how we might deal with it now. Yeah, and your stand was, well, I think I'd adapt it to GURPS. 
that's what I always say. Um, but si- since last time, uh, I have actually started to do this. Uh, the, the first session of the talk campaign happened two days ago as we record this. By the time this comes out, there will probably have been another one and it may all disintegrate it horribly, but who yeah. knows. Um, so, th- th- this was in reaction to a, b- a bit of dissatisfaction on all sides with the Madness Dossier campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, largely because, for me, it was turning into a research fest, which they always do. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it, it was starting to feel a bit samey, which is part, uh, partly my problem as a GM, I think. But anyway, um, for, for the last two weeks or so, I've been doing frantic GURPS rules hackery to crowbar all the special powers and things into, into the GURPS uh, mechanical framework. Yeah. Though, a- actually, what turned out to be more important was the rules for how the world works. Uh, you know, wh- when your neat toys stop working. Yeah. Uh, and so on. Um, mu- just, just as a question, because this is something of interest to me, how much of the Batman material, of the special stuff, did you manage to adapt? I have converted not quite all of it, but pretty much all of it, and, mm. and the rest will come in time. We've actually got nobody in the party who expressed any particular interest in using magic or miracles. So that's, well, that's a mercy. So, well, I've got... Base, well, no, not really, because the, the miracles pretty much map to GURPS spells for the most part. Okay. Um, th- this is going to be interesting when they start getting wounded. Mm. But uh, the, the thing I'm happiest with so far is, is the cards. Yeah, you said you wanted to maintain the... Uh... Drama deck, yeah. yeah. It, it, it turns out one of the players does actually have an original talk boxed set. Oh, so cool. so the, we have the physical cards available, which is quite handy. Um, right. The thing that I particularly like about them is they, they give you a reason to do something in the combat round other than, I'm going to use my best attack again. Right. Which I think a lot of games are prone to. Uh, it, it does make things a little bit more complex, but the the overhead wasn't as bad as I expected it was going to be. Uh, the, the cards have got, for the most part, keywords on them, and and they're fairly self-explanatory. Um, so uh, if, if a player's got a card that says... Um, Adrenaline plus three to a dexterity or toughness skill, then it's fairly obvious what sort of thing that means in GURPS, yeah. for example. And uh, so, so I've just defined all those keywords in terms of GURPS effects. That's it. That's it. That would seem seem workable. What is what's the setup for the campaign? Who are these people? Well, yeah, so, several of the players actually had trouble find, finding character concepts that that infused them. Um, but th- this is the early days of the Possibility Wars. I'm actually starting with what with the adventure that came in the box set. Uh-huh. Um, you know, how many games expect you to have a party consisting of a, of a two-gun costumed hero, a high-tech ninja, a dwarvish bard, and a French computer hacker? <laughs> this one, as I, I seem to recall. <laughs> yeah, that's about it, really, yeah. yeah. May- maybe Shadowrun. Uh, <laughs> are, they, are they all together because? Well, th- yeah, this is one of the problems. Um, th- there is a... As far as one can tell, a sort of informal network of of um, good guy PC types mm-hmm. around the world, and there are certainly things for them to do. But one of the great omissions in the game, as far as I could see from a fairly thorough look through it, is there was just no mention of how a party gets together. Mm. Yeah, not all meeting in a bar. Yeah, this is uh, this is game design one hundred and one. Well, if you, if if you want more than one player at a time. Then you have to have a party constructing. Well, to be fair, it, it wasn't mentioned for years. I mean, there were lots and lots of articles in White Dwarf saying, "How can you get to a party? How can you get a party together that isn't just meeting in a bar and hearing rumours of adventure?" Um, it, it was something that took a very long time actually to get into games, and I think some of that is the feeling that with a game you can do anything you like. Yeah. Rather than you have to follow the, the story that the designer set up for you. Okay. So and. and 
I'm, I'm thinking about the effect of the cards, um, the, the, the way it pushes things around. So you, yeah. you've got approved actions, meaning that if, if on in this particular combat round, rather than shooting somebody, um, you, you try to manoeuvre them out of position or taunt them into yeah. doing something stupid, uh, you get a bonus if you succeed. So by, I think by modern standards, that's not very narrativist at all. It's certainly nothing, nothing no. like as much as fate. Um, but it's still expanding my horizons a bit, and I'm finding useful. I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd use the cards in a non-cinematic game, and I possibly wouldn't use them outside a talk game. But they seem they seem to be going all right. Uh, the, the, there is the ninja fast draw tradition being upheld from the last campaign I played. Um, in in that the, the the first attempt to fast draw something by the ninja was a fumble, though averted by spending impossibility. Um, the the, the f- first time I played this uh, when it was coming out, whenever the ninja started to fast draw anything, the entire rest of the party hid behind solid objects. Yeah, yeah. Wait, uh, waiting for the bleeding to stop. I have I have, se- I have several characters in my in my campaigns who are known for throwing their swords away. It's it, it, eventually you get a reputation. What you want is aerodynamic, aimable swords. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably called knives. The the other thing that really leapt out at me was um, the the world book has maps of the invasion zones, yeah. which is fair enough. And uh, they may well have been the best maps easily available at the time, but they aren't terribly good maps, certainly by modern standards. Um, the, there there are obviously some of the national boundaries have changed. That's fair enough, but so, some of the coastlines are just wrong. Mm. Um, at, at, at the time, as, as it came out, there, there was lots of complaint about all these adventures set in foreign countries without real-world information. Fortunately, we now have Wikipedia and OpenStreetMap. But it's not going to turn into a research fest. Honest. Ah, uh, good. But, uh, the, the, the other thing was that there is a note in the book that the invasion zone boundaries can't be more than 300 miles long, and if they are, then you need an extra um, anchor point to divide them. Uh, unfortunately, about a third of them on the map are... Yes, oh. I put I put all these into a KML file so you can look at them on Google Maps or Google Earth. Because I'm like that. <laughs> I yeah. Um, I, the, the the image of this 1980s hand waving based thing being hitting modern technology is, is is slightly disturbing to my mind. Yeah, but it's quite pretty. That will be fun to be had. I am uh, currently. Coming to the end of the dungeon fantasy game, they're looking at me saying, "What are you going to run next, Michael?" So I am putting up the, uh, I'm putting up the traditional prospectus um, mm-hmm. list, including, and it is remarkable that um, it does focus in your mind that several things that I thought I might like to run, I've gone, um, actually those work better as one-offs. Let's put them to one side for for when I have time to do a one-off. The thing I got from somewhere, I can't remember who it was. So you you should be able, when you're proposing a campaign, to come up with ten adventure ideas off the top of your head, uh-huh. without reaching particularly hard. And if you can't do that, then maybe the campaign doesn't have the legs it should have. I must admit, I'm I'm probably better at coming up with a campaign concept than detailed adventures. I don't know. Ten, I don't know if I can do ten and I'm uh, adventures for um, off the off the top of my head. I can I can certainly. If I don't have a, a lead-in adventure, then I know the the prospectus is, is in trouble. Thing is, at the moment, I'm in love with the idea of finally completing GURPS Turkey Mail. <laughs> but I know that I have several pits of depression and 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 failures and discovering it's more complicated than I thought between me and actually getting them sat down at the table. Rules hackery or social. 
no, it's it's the it's the it's the rule the rules hackery the social um, thing the complexity of 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 Sovianic culture um, is something that will work itself out in role play and is quite easy to define in GURPS terms. It's doing the two different types of magic, psionic and ritual, and just getting it to feel a bit to feel like the uh, earlier games but be mechanically workable at the same time. Yeah, that, that sounds actually very similar to what, what I was doing with Talk, and I have ended up with a system that is actually less GURPS and more Talk than I had expected, uh, beca because I want to keep that feel, particularly mm. in the cards. Yeah, I've, I've got... Um, the thing is that, the, that compared with GURPS Magic, the, uh, the Soliani spell list isn't that great. Mm-hmm. But um, there are some ludicrous and spectacular effects in there. Not quite as ludicrous and spectacular as Exalted, say, but um, still pretty powerful. And uh, I'm, I'm going to have to give a good deal of thought as to whether I've got the gumption to finish this damn job at this time. Mm. I've gone and bought myself. Well, I've gone and taken a free uh, delivery, free trial of uh, of Scrivener, the uh, um, right. Yeah. The, to see if it, if it will help in outlining and setting things up and that sort of thing. It's got that, that's possibly something to talk about in another segment. It is. Yeah. However, um, that's what we're doing. And uh, if you're doing interesting things, tell us about them, please. Hmm. was uh, the anniversary edition of uh, Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. If you've uh, found any of the things we've said of interest, please let us know. If you have interesting things you want to tell us about, please let us know. Please tell us about all the cool games that you're organising, so we can pontificate about that as well. And tell you why you're wrong. Occasionally they might be right, every so often. I suppose it's possible. Theoretically, anyway. And um, you can contact us at podcast at techelli.ly So until next time when we'll have the special festive Christmas edition <laughs> what do you, what, I can see what you want for Christmas He's got his ogre box in the corner of the room Yes, what I want is an extension to keep it in <laughs> Till next time Goodbye <laughs>